put this festival on you bastards with a lot of love. We work for one year for you pigs. And you want to break our walls down? And you want to destroy it? Well, you go to hell. You know, fish, chips, couple tea, bad food, worse weather, merry fucking poppins, London. Hell is good. Hell is reliable. If he doesn't work, he can always keep him in. Because he's dirty bullet savvy. In the quiet words of the Virgin Mary, come again. Oi, what? I thought you said he was a getaway driver. What the fuck can he get away from, eh? Welcome to episode three of Two Please. I'm your host, Tubbin. And I'm your co-host, Rohit. And this is your second or third time here. Oh, well, welcome back. Oh, I'm glad we were managed to entertain you uh, through the last two episodes. You stuck through with us. Thank you. I know. Looks like we made it. <laughs> it's like an 80s uh, love song in here. Anyway, if you haven't checked out um, the last episodes where we where we extensively feature the works of Zack Snyder... Um, primarily his take in uh, his take on the DCEU and some of the films that preceded it as well as the elephant in the room that was the Justice League cut whichever one you prefer um, feel free to go check it out uh, that's definitely always going to be in in this list of episodes on any platform that this is probably going to go up on today however i think we're going to do a bit of a a jump in tone moving from the serious works of zack snyder to something uh, a little more uh, crass a little funnier and uh, i I would say uh, a world apart from zack snyder today we're going to talk about guy ritchie Yes, uh, so Gairachi is or is definitely has been one of my favorite directors of all time, purely because of his aesthetic and uh, the way he tells stories. Very, very unique um, uh, talent that I don't think anyone has tried to replicate or even replace in the in the last fifteen or twenty years. I don't think uh, there's any other director that. Can uh, can uh, any other director that understands uh, the that half of London like Guy Ritchie does, the whole Cockney half and their uh, mannerisms and their lingo and all of that. I mean, obviously that that's uh, what most of us primarily associate Guy Ritchie with, right? Uh, yeah, those movies. The uh, funny the funny thing about Guy Ritchie is that I mean he didn't grow up. Like in the end, so to speak, he, he grew up fairly comfortably, but somehow is able to navigate in the money. Did he go to Eton? Like, I mean, I, I would love be, to imagine Guy Ritchie in Eton. I I wouldn't be surprised if he were, if he was in Eton, but I no, I feel he was he's definitely one of those, posh. You know, yeah, those posh families. Um, but I, I I feel um in spite of all of that, he still managed to get into the skin of your local gangsters or like basically he glamorized gangster culture in a way it hadn't been told, hadn't been done in uh, ever, you know, especially in British cinema, because in the nineties you had a lot of uh, gangster flicks 
spearheaded by Scorsese. You had quite good fellas. You had Casino. Uh, but you also had, um, I think in the 60s and 70s, you had Michael Caine in a few of those. Um, Alfie's a, I mean, he's not mm-hmm. uh, a gangster in Alfie. But the whole, uh, I thought Alfie kind of made the whole Cockney culture a little more fashionable. Because obviously anything Michael Caine does uh, looks fashionable. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think Cockney culture kind of got its limelight a bit back then. And then you had uh, Michael Caine also played uh, the good gangster in some movies around then. But yeah, uh, I think the kind of resurgence that Guy Ritchie bought, brought uh, to those uh, genre of movies um, is something like you said, nobody else has even attempted to mimic after him. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a, uh, I mean, having started speaking about his, his uh, gangster flicks, I think it's a uh, a good segue to uh, talk about that uh, part of, or the, that section of his filmography, mm-hmm. uh, which I think despite all of the work that he has done since uh, mm-hmm. in numerous other genres, uh, maybe apart from uh, people who know him primarily from Sherlock, I would still say a huge chunk of people uh, still associate him with uh those Cockney movies like uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels or Snatch or more recently Rock and Roller. So, I mean, to me, that's still uh, the best movies he's done. Uh, while I would say Lock, Stock and Snatch are so identical to the point that um, if I were to quote a line from, uh, I mean, obviously I know all lines from Snatch, mm. but uh, uh, it's very easy for, to kind of, you know, get confused what line is from where. I mean, the both of the movies also have a lot of cast in uh, common. And um, I think even Lockstock has a non-linear storyline, just like Snatch. Uh, so in a way, uh, in my head, I look at Lockstock, while it is a fine mo- a standalone movie and has its own merits, has its own iconic moments. Lockstock is like the understudy to Snatch, right? Yeah, Lockstock kind of. is where he kind of... Um, tried his hand uh, at that, that kind of movie, uh, saw what worked, what didn't work. And, and Snatch is like the distilled, the distilled version of uh, Lockstock, which only has the best parts and a few other additions, which uh, only serve to enhance the movie. How, is, how, how would you usually, how would you pitch Snatch to someone who's never heard of Guy Ritchie? Like, oh, when was, yeah, so like, what is, you obviously pick three, three major uh, aspects of the film that you know would would connect with the average moviegoer. So you say, okay, this film is probably it, it's it's a comedy. It stars Jason Statham and Brad Pitt, uh, <laughs> yeah. and and it's about a diamond heist. And if you were in India at any point in time, it was remade into Fool and Final, I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah so. I don't think that's a selling point though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to make anyone. Oh, I must see the original of Fool and Fine. <laughs> I think that's where that's where most viewers would be like, oh, like most people would be like, okay, I guess this is not exactly my cup of tea. So, and if this manages to capture capture the intrigue of the person you're telling this to, they will they will then ask you more details about the film, and that's where you say Brad Pitt is doing uh, what could only be described as a pikey accent, and then when they ask you what a pikey accent is. That's when a line from the movie. gibberish. <laughs> it, it's not English. It's not Irish. It's just Pikey. <laughs> <laughs> so 
the that's the one thing I absolutely adore about Snatch. It is easily one of my most quotable movies. Uh, absolutely, the yeah. most quotable movie out there. Yeah, this and I think the guard. The guard was the guard is obviously much much later. It was a 2011 film starring oh, 2011 movie, right? Yeah, uh, Brendan Gleeson yeah. and Don Cheadle. The one, the best part about Snatch, apart from its actors and its and its setting, is the dialogue. The dialogue is sharp. It's it's quick and it is so witty. So, mm. right from the first shot of the film, where uh, the camera pans up. behind this ball guy uh, to reveal uh, Stephen Graham and uh, Jason Statham sitting on a sitting across a table you are immediately invested and i think that's one of the the better parts of guy ritchie's films is that he knows how to capture attention even with lockstock it opens up with jason statham selling um um uh, se- selling uh, food, stuff off the street and it's him Mm-hmm. in in a very uh, street seller cockney accent um throwing phrases just very quick very sharp and i think up to this point i mean even no one had really put classified jason statham as an actor with comedic talent and his best work uh barring spy which was which i thought he was absolutely hilarious in uh mm-hmm. has ultimately been with with guy ritchie he hasn't done a movie with him in close to what 20 2020 20, odd years and i think wrath of man which is which is to be released this year is their collaboration yeah it's after, going to be yeah yeah after a very very long time i think the the last movie he did with guy ritchie was the 2005 movie revolver which oh, yeah. is exceptional <laughs> because i'm going to take a quick minute to talk about revolver because guy ritchie made an absolutely inexplicable decision in that movie which was to have jason statham have hair <laughs> like at this point Jason Statham's been in a uh, lock stock he's been in snatch he's been in the fucking transporter right <laughs> the entire world has seen him bald why the fuck are you giving him hair it looks so disconcerting so i've seen the poster of the movie i've seen the trailer of the movie uh, and i've just been like Jason Statham with hair yeah no pass i'm not interested this movie looks weird to start so, with uh, this was uh, so you know said right said pitched this to me Uh, when we were when I was talking about Snatch, he's like, "Have you watched Revolver?" And he's and he said, "It's Jason Statham with long flowing locks." Uh, and I I remember watching the first ten to fifteen minutes and immediately checking out because I was like, "Oh, this this movie is boring me." Like they try to play it off very seriously. It it doesn't, or at least like the initial section, they try to play it off very seriously, and I I just couldn't find myself invested in it, hair or no hair. But yeah, giving yeah. Jason Statham. That's too much suspension of disbelief. Yeah, I think ever since then people have just started to cast Jason Statham as himself in all his movies because if because then he had Crank, which was batshit crazy, and they followed up with Crank. The first too. Crank movie, I still stand by my opinion, is a cinematic masterpiece. It's just the director is like, let's push the envelope a little further, a little more, a little more. Let let's see what let's see at which point the audience is like, no, just no. Which is the film by Until that point I think we're good to go. Which was the one where he's falling out of the plane and like and she's supposed to have sex with him because that will keep his heart rate going. No, that's not falling out of a plane. So in Crank 1 he has sex with his girlfriend in the middle of the market hmm. to bring his heart rate up. But at the end of the first movie he jumps from a plane All and right, the huh. second movie starts from there. 
Why am I giving a scholastic dissertation on crank? Let's move on. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, revolver. Is, I'm revolver being the one misstep in his uh, gangster movie collective. Um, he followed that up with rock and roller, which does not star Jason Statham. And but in my Gerard opinion, Butler. yeah, Gerard, Gerard Butler, uh, Idris Elba, Tom Hardy, um, Tom Wilkinson. uh tandy newton uh toby keller um, yes i think rock um, and rolla is a good movie it's it doesn't hold a candle to snatch or lockstock but probably rock and rolla is more prevalent in the larger public consciousness because snatch was pre internet mm-hmm. uh i remember when rock and rolla ended and it said we'll come back with rock and rolla 2 there were a lot of uh discussions on uh, on the internet about uh, when is that movie coming and i remember especially around the time the second sherlock holmes movie came out uh, people were like okay clearly he's not interested in making the sequel maybe that was a throwaway joke that he put at the end of rock and roll but people really took that seriously and you know, discussions like that kept the movie in public consciousness but uh, i think the thing that really stands out about those set of movies of gairachis are are the dialogue and the back and forth nature of those dialogues right you have these a lot of his interactions in these movies are these two characters who i mean how are two people how are both of them so unbelievably witty right this is back and forth these zingers flying back and forth uh again very colorful uh, uh idiosyncratic language uh, or idiosyncratic lingo that the characters have which is very specific to probably that that region even and, the edits uh, like if you notice a lot even exactly the, even the editing i think what really highlights the fact uh, highlights the zippiness of the dialogue is the fact that the editing really complements that uh, there's no wasted time it's very back and forth mm. it's uh, which really highlights the 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 rapidity of the conversations the characters mm. have and uh, gives the movie a crisp crispiness exactly in, in so since you're watching there's no wasted moment every time a character recalls a memory of something and he starts and it shifts it shifts back between the present and the and the past and there are times where people in the past turn to the camera he he, he likes breaking the fourth wall a lot that being said i still feel sometimes some of his films tend to suffer from it um and case in point king arthur right mm-hmm. where he tends to you tend to overstylize the movie uh, without giving any sort of credence to the story or the plot so snatch got away with it because it's the same it's more or less the same plot as uh, as as lockstock and two smoking barrel but as you mentioned one is the more unrefined uh, version the other is the more distilled version and which is why snatch mm-hmm. works the way it does and and i think um, and on its own merit snatch does have a good story but i agree with what you say i think because of the success of those movies um gairachi has always probably wanted to emulate the feel of that movie in subsequent movies and inevitably what has or invariably what has happened is uh he's become a parody of himself and mm. i mean not not that it's uh too far gone but it's it's more like a uh not as funny version or a slightly budget version i would say uh of of the the humor that he used to have in these movies and he's trying to bring that same wittiness flashiness but it's not underpinned with a good story 
Yeah, I, I, I've had, I felt this uh, a lot with the gentleman. So when I heard Guy Ritchie was back into making more gangster flicks, I mm. actively uh, followed that movie. And when it hit theaters, I went to, it had generated good reviews. It started about a 70 to 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. I said, okay, that's usually what his films score at. And oh my God, I was, the one thing I have ne- would never associate with a Guy Ritchie movie is boredom. I was absolutely bored. He tries to marry this American uh, sense of humor with the English sense of humor, and it, it and it, and it yeah, and it goes and it goes like exactly how you think it does, like chalk and cheese. The mm-hmm. only standout in that film is Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant as this sneery, snidey reporter who is narrating the film and who's kind mm-hmm. of influencing decisions across uh, the end. Uh, I mean, across the entire film. And he is amazing. Like he, he really nails that character. And it's it's a far cry from the Hugh, Hugh Grant characters um, you've you've known to be associated with, like his rom com. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. The roles that were that made him that Notting shot, Hill. yeah, Notting Hill for weddings. There's an episode on, on Richard Curtis also. I think that definitely. Yeah, we will we will be covering this in more detail then. Yeah. So I was reading a little bit about uh, uh, Guy Ritchie and I read an interview that he'd done where he spoke about the fact that uh, although uh, in a comedic sense, his movies do glamorize the, the gangster lifestyle. And somebody had asked, uh, the reporter had asked him about uh, the influence the Cray brothers uh, had on his movies. The Cray brothers being those uh, twin London gangsters, London gangsters that uh, Tom Hardy's played in Legend. Hmm. Uh, and he's spoken about how he's aware of the fact that, you know, uh, while everything they did uh, back then when he was growing up seemed very cool, uh, there was always an undercurrent of violence and of uh, suffering uh, for the people who the craze meted, uh, meted out their atrocities on. Hmm. Uh, but those things were generally swept under the rug uh, in the press and they only spoke about the craze cult of personality. Hmm. And... Uh, because he saw them in that light that's had a huge influence on uh, the kind of uh, way he's represented his gangsters. Mm. Uh, like classic case being uh, brick top, right? In Snatch. Mm. Um, he has great lines and, you know, uh, those lines make you laugh and uh, obviously uh, all of that's there. But uh, underneath that, if you look at this kind of uh, things, the actions he's doing in the movie, standalone, I mean, taken out of the context of the movie, they're absolutely horrendous. Exactly. So you have that element also. Uh, I mean, jokes apart, there is an undercurrent of uh, seriousness uh, to his depiction of uh, how these, how this class of people uh, functions, operates, deals with each other. Uh, but obviously what you take away from it are the one-liners and the jokes. Yeah, I mean, you're laughing at, at you know, at Bricktop talking about how quickly it takes uh, a set of pigs to go through a human body, but as you mentioned, out of context, yeah. that, sound, that sounds absolutely terrifying. Alan Ford is is exceptional uh, as Bricktop in that role. He he makes for a, you know those nefariously evil uh, villains that that you that chew up the scenery every time he's on. He's yeah. he's on very larger than life. Yeah, he he's so good and. It's not just the glasses that do some of the carrying. I mean, he, he does a, a major section of uh, of heavy lifting when it comes to carrying the movie. 
So I feel, you know, sometimes there is the saying behind every successful man, there is a woman, but not in the case of Dairi Chai, because his worst period coincided with him being married to Madonna. So <laughs> yeah, I think that was a low point for him uh, professionally. I'm I don't know about personally, and I think uh, Madonna had a big part to play in that. In the sense that uh, I think there was a period between two thousand one to two thousand three where I think she tried to get herself cast in everything that he was doing. uh i mean there's a short film that he's done uh for bmw as well in which she's there it's a 10 minute short film i don't know does she is she doing it for the exposure like what why is she in it right yeah but she she's there in that and uh, also in the worst movie of uh gairachi's career in fact uh, voted one of the worst movies of all time i think it has a 5% on rotten tomatoes mm-hmm. is uh, 2002's swept away in which mm-hmm. she plays the lead uh I think yeah that that didn't work out well for any anyone involved with the film. So, like you and, said, right? Uh, yeah. Didn't work out for him. That those years didn't work out for him. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. Like unfortunately, there was there was that section where his creativity took a bit of a dip. I mean, obviously, it's not directly attributed to to Madonna. Not we're not saying that, but his worst movie stars her. and the two basically the 2000s we're not not saying that but we're not saying that <laughs> basically like the early 2000s weren't uh, the best for madonna and i think she had some sort of a renaissance in uh, in the mid 2000s to the late 2000s and then afterwards it's just gotten a little scary uh, so less said about that the better uh, yeah. anyway uh, back to gairachi He, I think he also bounced back towards the end of the decade, second half of the decade. Obviously, his big comeback vehicle was Sherlock Holmes, which I think uh, it's a you see that shift happening from. I think he was tapped out creatively when it came to uh, your gangster movies. Obviously, Rock and Roller was around that time, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. But you could see the decline in quality, and I think he was also creatively looking to do something else. yeah and, uh, which was which actually worked out really well for two people one being obviously himself and the other being uh, robert downey junior so this is not robert downey junior in in the early, you know the mess that he was this is robert downey junior a year after iron man so he's not the hot property that he was he was going to be he was what he, he is but this his star was certainly back on track it was it was rising and with wasn't iron man and tropic thunder in the same year 2008 yes and sherlock holmes was i think towards the end of 2008 but after these two had released so no, yeah the star was already sure, on the rise sherlock holmes is 2009 oh okay sherlock holmes is 2009 uh, rock and roll is 2008 uh, iron man is 2008 and so is tropic thunder i remember because yeah. he was you could say 2008 to 2009 was like the foundation on which robert downey junior built the next ten years yeah. yeah so first of all i am not a big fan i mean i don't know, call me biased i'm fine with it are you a purist i'm a bit of a purist i feel like i wouldn't I mean, cast essentially boiled down to that question so i made yeah. it easy yeah. <laughs> thank you i'm a bit of a purist <laughs> give the english characters the i mean give give the actors the english, the english roles like at least so 
And I wasn't, so when they said, Abu Dhani Jr. is playing Sherlock Holmes, I was not totally on board with the idea because, so you have very classical actors who've taken up that role. And so I was a little skeptical. It's a role that's been done so much in theater, in mm. on TV, in cinema, and there are so many classical representations, like you, as yeah. you rightly said. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're going to be held up to so many standards, right? Yeah, so definitely. Those are decisions, those like Sherlock Holmes, Bond, these are decisions you take after much deliberation. Mm. So there was, I, and I obviously was a little skeptical about it, but then I watched the movie and the way Guy Ritchie handled the character and the way uh, Robert Downey Jr. portrayed him was a breath of fresh air. I enjoyed that first Sherlock Holmes film. I thought it was an absolute breeze. It felt it felt like a very lived-in universe. It, I mean, it was also it was periodic, but it was also um, a lot of fun. There was. There's that the whole slow mo sections were incorporated really well with him, mm. uh, uh, discom- like and the themes and and the, and the soundtrack to that film is also very very entertaining. Soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, so so it's like it's it, within the first ten minutes you're set up for uh, like this this ride, and it gives me. I don't know if you've watched this. Have you have you watched Young uh, Young Sherlock Holmes? This really old no. '90s movie. It's it's a Chris Columbus movie. And the premise is very similar. It's that there's this guy, there's this weird cult-like organization that is um, that is causing people to, that is raising people from the dead or is killing young women uh, in the streets. Very similar, like thematic, thematically, a very similar plot line. Um, but at the same time, completely different. Jude Law was excellent as Watson. Um uh, Actually, the fact that, for me at least, the fact that uh, Robert Downey Jr. was cast as uh, Sherlock uh, made it easier for me to watch. In the sense that, if if they had picked a, a more classical Sherlock, mm-hmm. uh, I would have had a harder time reconciling with the fact that okay, so Jude Law is Watson and whoever else is Sherlock. This seems to be like a serious uh, Sherlock outing. So why is Guy Ritchie's name associated with it? Mm-hmm. But as opposed to that, when I saw it. Uh, it was Robert Downey Jr. I was like, okay, clearly they're not intending to take this seriously, which is good. Like, this is if Guy Ritchie is doing a light-hearted, whatever, uh, a, a, a lighter in tone take on Sherlock, I'm game for that. I don't want to watch like a serious Guy Ritchie movie where you have Sherlock very studiously and uh, humorlessly uh, trying to solve a case. This mm-hmm. was, I mean, it, it had elements of uh, what a good Sherlock story should have. His deductions. Uh, and the whole camaraderie between him and uh, and Jude Law, who played an excellent Watson, I felt mm. very very solid. Uh, it had those elements, but also it had uh, the right amount and the right kind of humor. I felt so I enjoyed the take. Obviously, it was it's not faithful to any by any measure of imagination. It's not a very faithful uh, Ad- adaptation of, mm. adaptation of any sorts. But I mean, it was fun. I mean. Yeah. So, and in a that's the worst you can be. That's fine. And also, in 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 a phase where I think between two thousand nine to two thousand twelve, they were competing Sherlock's because you had the movies, and then you had the rise of the TV show, which came out. Yeah, which which was a phenomenon by itself. Yeah, in its own right. So, so you you had two um, two different entities portraying different versions of the characters and even the even the the more fat produced uh, sherlock was not i mean obviously have was uh, was based, was retellings of old sherlock home stories mm-hmm. um but with the modern twist and in uh, you know just 
uh, a few changes here and there still original in its own in its own right but just the right amount of um, of loyalty to the subject 2009 and 2011 i'd like to say game of shadows uh, were both extremely exhilarating rides uh, i feel um jared harris's moriarty was also extremely fun it was such a fun character yeah mm-hmm. i mean obviously he also chewed the scenery hammed it a bit but mm-hmm. which suited the, the portrayal the, yeah the setting yeah so it had, it it had sufficiently villainous yeah so he was just about it was it was a it wasn't a, a very it wasn't the maniacal moriarty that we know from um the tv series so uh, his was more calculated yeah, that was pure chaos yeah. yeah he was more calculated he was more he knew he had a bit of fun really that's that's kind of how uh, i always perceived him and game of shadows was also a film i, I thoroughly enjoyed and the for them to go i mean spoiler alert for game of shadows if you haven't seen it yet from them from for them to go from the first servant to the rackenback falls immediately after which is a pivotal part in in the Sherlock Holmes sto- uh, stories was i mean made me question as to whether they really pursue a third and 10 years later there have been talks about um, them going into pre-production but nothing is really materialized out of it probably because of downey's i think yeah. they should just let it be yeah obviously i don't think they can afford robert downey junior now mm. i mean the way it ended it's it's a bit of a cop out if if he had spoiler alert if he had actually died mm. uh, after his fall i would have been okay with it the fact that he came back i mean uh, it's fine i'm not like super interested in the realism of the movies mm. but don't touch them it's fine i mean it ended well enough yeah. don't go back to it and don't dig up the grave don't ruin what what's already dead and buried yeah anyway uh <laughs> there is and then i think after this he he goes back into a bit of a lull i don't think he does a movie for the next 4 years what is oh man from uncle was, 20, was yeah 2015 2015 which i think man from uncle felt like there was some sort of uh rust with when it came to his uh, his cinematic progress like you could have you, you could tell this was a genre he had spent a significant time from obviously there was there was a source material that he paid homage to and very stylish uh, uh two leads playing off each other really well again once again two big stars in their own right one possibly mm. more big i think the movie benefited a lot from henry cavill's charm mm-hmm. i think he was a perfect fit for that suave charming it it was his in a way it was his audition for bond i would say second audition for bond mm-hmm. uh because he played a funnier version of bond i felt in the movie this of charming witty uh funny uh, secret agent who mm-hmm. gets the job done who can be lethal when needed but otherwise he just you know talks his way through situations and yeah him and ami Ham- ami hammer played a very straight as nails russian spy but they pick their energy played off each other really well Mm-hmm. and i think this is around this around this time he began casting david beckham in all his movies uh, david beckham is the projectionist in man from uncle he's the dude oh. yeah he's also you are uh, a pub owner in king arthur yes he's the he's or a tattoo artist something i something I yeah I, i don't think at this point garichi really cared too much about the stuff he was making he was making movies i think he's always made movies for fun 
And sometimes, like a lot of us, he ends up getting carried away. And the result of that was King Arthur, the Legend of the Sword. Um, so a good eight years after having dabbled with a, a fictionalized, uh, I mean, obviously, a Victorian Sherlock Holmes, he decides to take on the legend of King Arthur. And when I saw the trailer, I was blown away. I said, oh, dude, this looks this looks fun. This is Guy Ritchie retelling the legend of King Arthur. What could possibly go wrong? A lot of it went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you seen King Arthur? No. I mean, I saw the trailer again and I was like, this movie I have a bad feeling about. <laughs> so I'm going to wait. I'm not going to shell out money for a movie ticket. I'll wait. Uh, maybe watch it on a platform, which also never came to pass. I think mm. I've never gotten around to watching it. So overall, not the best. I don't don't think it did too well commercially as well. Not the best uh, film that Guy Ritchie could have possibly hoped for. And then he sh- shows up again in twenty eighteen uh, or twenty nineteen with nineteen uh, with Aladdin. And I was and I I was aware that uh, he was directing Aladdin because in India I wasn't until you told me. Yeah, in in, in India there were big casting rumors. They were trying to get a lot of... Uh, they, in Bombay especially, they were really trying to get an Indian actor to play him. Ultimately, it went to uh, Mina Masood, who is Egyptian, if I am mm. not mistaken. No, at least he's from... Um, uh, he. I mean, yeah. The, you could have gotten Suraj Sharma. You would have done a half-decent job. Mm, Suraj Sharma from Life of Pi. Yeah. Hmm. I really like that kid. I mean, Dave Patel's too old to be the stock, plucky Indian youth now. Dave Patel has surpassed the ethnic uh, hero role. He is. He has, oh yeah, he is busy bending fire and all. No? Yeah, no, not just that. Have you seen? <laughs> he's he's in an A twenty four movie called The Green Knight, which is again an author in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. right, right. Did that uh, come out? No, no, it no. It didn't because of. Uh, I just saw the trailer. Looked very high. Yeah. Anyway, back to Aladdin. Yeah, so Aladdin was... When they cast Will Smith as genie, I said, okay, fine. I, I, I agree to it. Um, I will I will view him specifically as his own thing. And I was fine with everything until they went to the cave in the movie and the cave's mouth didn't move. And Just the light... Yeah, it was just there was a light. Yeah, there was a light, and the whole thing is that the cave. So the Aladdin Disney film. You're telling me out of the entire mess that the movie was, <laughs> what ticked you off was like, yeah, I'm okay with this weird ass Will Smith genie. I'm okay with the rest of the movie, but the cave was what. And yeah, dude. At which point you were like, "Yo, fuck this movie." <laughs> I mean, it was pretty early on because that, I mean, they they send him into the cave about fifteen to twenty minutes into the film, and and that, at that point I was like, "Okay." I, oh, you haven't uh, seen Genie? Eh? Yeah, you haven't it seen. It was Genie. a precursor to things. And then, I mean, Will Smith's Genie is is they're like, "Oh, Will Smith, you go be the most Will Smith you can possibly be." He's like, "How much Will Smith do you want me to be?" And he and they said yes. So the, there are characters in cinema now. Which, for your own good, you shouldn't touch. Jared Leto should never have done Joker. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone should try and do Joker in the vein that Heath Ledger has done. It's off limits now. Mm. Nobody should be trying to do Robin Williams uh, as Genie. Just 
you're not going to top it just accept it and leave it be right like don't 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 uh, you know ironically the funny the funny thing was aladdin was the highest grossing movie of the year or was one of the highest grossing movies of 2019 no obviously it's terrible year then <laughs> No, I mean, actually, no. I, I mean, I know it made a billion dollars. It's Disney, right? Yeah, Kids they don't know go watch. They had. And, I mean, if if you're going to get into it, I don't know why the hell Disney is remaking live animation. I mean, live action remakes of their animation movies. Why are you butchering your own legacy, right? Like people who worked on those movies probably are cursing Eisner right now. Or yeah. Eisner is heading Disney, right? Like, what what the hell are you doing? Nobody yes. asked for this, right? No, like, there was. <laughs> Jungle in 20 years fine. from now i think yeah i think in 20 years from now uh, uh, it's going to be like a byword for things nobody needed like this thing disney live action why are you doing this like the, the lion king was so dead because they didn't anim- i mean they tried to make it very realistic and it just came on came across as this emotional uh planks of wood on screen it was i fell asleep in the i think it went into what it's called the uncanny valley right so in animation you have this concept that if uh, there's this uh, if you were to put realism of animation on a graph there's this section where the left side of it is unrealistic and the right side is maybe too realistic or the right amount i don't know but there's this section where if something looks uh, realistic it it almost looks like it's uh, fake or manufactured and mm. and it looks uncanny and a little scary uh, so i i also felt the same uh, looking at the animatronic or the animated characters in jungle book is just at a subconscious level i was just feeling uneasy yeah it, it just, felt like it felt wrong it just like it it felt it's like why does this exist i mean why have you spent so much money on on a on on a film like this it didn't do too well it flopped pretty badly i mean not i mean i wouldn't say flop pretty badly i think it just about made its money back but the the heart and soul that you have with the animated version was was completely missing and didn't they also just recycle most of the music pretty much yeah they had they had beyond i mean in all of the movies they've they've done that mm So yeah, he oh. yeah. Anyway, now back to Guy Ritchie's Aladdin, which was, I I guess, serviceable fare if you have children and if you're trying to introduce them into. I guess there's a whole generation that will grow up thinking Will Smith was the perfect genie, and then they will grow up and discover. Which is a tragedy. Yeah, then they will grow up and discover uh, the animated version, and uh, then they will disown their parents for having taken them for the, <laughs> the live action movie. Yeah, so there's. How could you do this to me? <laughs> when when this already exists, you could have watched this yeah. at home. <laughs> no, but I had a very different opinion of Aladdin. So mm. obviously, I didn't know it was a Guy Ritchie movie. Uh, but I remember when so I was in uh, Mangalore sometime that year. Mm-hmm. Basically, I wasn't at home. Mm-hmm. I was in a hotel room, and uh, so they didn't have Tata Sky or anything. They had mm. those local cable. uh set top boxes which have like 30 channels of which 20 are in the vernacular of course and uh, so aladdin was on star movies or something and i had nothing i had come back to my room in the evening i had nothing to do mm-hmm. i had literally no alternative plans <laughs> i mean I, not much to do in mangalore really <laughs> yeah so mm-hmm. it was raining so mm-hmm. it was also raining i couldn't mm-hmm. even step out even if i wanted to mm-hmm. so this is the setting and uh, star movies have aladdin playing i'm like okay uh, my only other ob- uh, option is uh, 
okay i'm not going to get into that so <laughs> might as well <laughs> might as well just watch the movie oh my god okay. and despite and mm-hmm. and despite that half an hour into watching the movie i was just like fuck this i'll just go masturbate instead <laughs> <laughs> right so that's how much i did enjoy <laughs> aladdin you should put that on the blurb <laughs> oh man oh dude <laughs> oh my god oh okay yeah so That was my Aladdin review. I can never look at that movie the same. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Anyway, this <laughs> ironically his next movie was called The Gentleman. <laughs> mm. Which I didn't watch. Good. Wait, wasn't that also in 2019? I guess uh Guy Ritchie probably shot Aladdin and then Jack so 2020 great leg and or 2020 mm. anyways i'm still going to say that guy richie shot aladdin was filled with regret and decided i need to go back to my roots and probably went on to make the gentleman mm. so yeah i, I have straight too far i have gone on to the dark side i need to yeah come back to the light my child come back yeah and so not i mean i don't think gent- there have i've heard uh, both sides um, debate the gentleman some say one of the one of his best movies yet some say absolute an absolute bore fest that's what i thought it was it felt as a little too serious for its own good not the biggest fan of um of i don't know the star cast looked very interesting i haven't seen the movie it's got mm. matthew mcconaughey you grant a uh, few i think jason fleming a few other mm-hmm. uh regulars uh guy ritchie regulars as well uh, looked like a cast that you could make a good good gangster movie with but i mean if you're saying it it was boring i think that's the worst criticism you can have for a guy ritchie movie i feel if anything they're never boring that's i think the, worst thing. the one thing guy ritchie does is he i mean there are certain tropes that are racist in nature that haven't aged well but he still finds them funny and um, so he puts the puts a lot of them and a lot of it is very prevalent in um in the gentleman where the joke wasn't funny as much as it was offensive and there's a big mm-hmm. section of the movie where uh they were nation character there and a lot of it was like poking fun at ethnicity and saying oh little man whatever this that yellow yellow you yellow this whatever it's just mm-hmm. it felt very very uncomfortable um, i was like okay none of these jokes are landing guy richie so you kind of need to update your script a little bit it's not the 90s anymore it's not the early 2000s Like I think the racial undertones, like you said, if he if he was trying to marry American and British humor, yeah. the racial undertones probably came from that half of it. Because, like you said, snatch, and I don't think um, race. I'm I'm not underplaying. Uh, maybe race race is a, a genuine issue even today in the UK. I don't know, mm. uh, but we're not exposed, or it's not as portrayed as much in their. um creative output the way it is in american movies mm-hmm. so maybe that that's something they don't uh, portray in their it's not something that's a subject for the movies anyway so 
in snatch I, that ne- that angle never came right like even the whole uh, tyrone and sol and the whole vinny that whole group of that entire story track that's parallelly going on one of the tracks in snatch hmm. um, so, so i'm surprised you say that you had you felt that watching gentlemen which gently, is yeah. really off brand for it i just i didn't quite uh, some of it yeah i, I didn't feel too comfortable with some of the humor mm-hmm. and generally i mean the biggest mistake that film makes is being boring and if well, once a movie once a gangster flick that's supposed to be slightly comedic in nature is boring that's 80% of your film gone there 20% may be held by some great performances but there aren't any great performances in that movie So yeah I think, I think that's, that's a bit of a damn squib for his career to currently be at then hopefully yeah. then the new movie that's coming up next year or this year sorry with mm. Jason Statham uh, f- revitalizes it Yeah I feel like there is the man has as a set of films you would quanti- I mean you would qualify as rewatchables you have all I mean the, his earlier works his uh, the Sherlock Holmes films even uh, i mean even rock and roller right is may not be a great film but is definitely rewatchable every time you watch it you are never bored and i think that is the greatest attribute of guy ritchie is he's a filmmaker who manages manages to put across stories that are entertaining exhilarating you don't think a lot about them after the film ends but they stay with you for years to come like when snatch sure. ended you, you like you and i have had a, a special place for snatch in our hearts because It was the one film we bonded over in in college. I think us the one thing that works for Kairichi currently that's rather keeping him in in the public consciousness. Yeah, in the, I was going to say in the public consciousness is is the sentiment sentimentality attached to all his projects. You mm. it it harkens back to a specific memory to a, a particular time in your life where you must have caught on to it, or if you and you've had. and you share a great uh you share a great affection uh for that uh for that piece of um a film and for whatever it did for you at that point in time true true mm. absolutely in fact i still remember the first time i watched it at home on my laptop screen i mean i i won't forget the first time i watched it because i remember legitimately uh so people say you're laughing so hard your stomach hurts my stomach actually hurt that evening i remember i had to pause and like stretch <laughs> because i had cramps in my stomach from bending over and laughing so i was i was so scared i was so scared right there because yeah yeah and i'm 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 done with my quota of masturbation jokes <laughs> for this episode when you said i paused i was like oh no not again <laughs> no <laughs> oh. but yeah mm. uh yeah i think you're absolutely right it it's the fond memory that people have of his works which is sustaining him mm-hmm. uh even if he were to not make another movie uh after whatever he's working on now i i still think people will remember him fondly uh i think all said and done not a bad career to have had uh even even his worst okay i'm i'm keeping step step away outside of this conversation mm-hmm. but even his worst movies otherwise aren't really that bad so mm-hmm. like like if anything else you could you are guaranteed a good uh, two to one uh, two two and a half hours 
uh, of your time uh, if you decide to pick up a guy to shoot film and yeah i think that's about it that should bring us to the end of this episode uh, it was definitely a yeah, fun one it's a it's a good way to it's a, a good note to end the, the episode on a one mm-hmm. of hope or acceptance either way mm-hmm. uh, whatever he chooses to do next yeah uh, so it's been a good ride so far i think yeah i feel like his legacy won't be tarnished by um a few mishits here and there um, there's he has enough credit in the bank to be remembered as one of the more original directors that came out of absolutely the absolutely. Uh, of the 21st century mm. okay i think But yeah uh, so that that's all from the two of us hope we didn't bore you mm. and uh, we'll see you next time for more yeah but yeah chalo let's call it a night let's call it a night good fun good fun okay so they opened their big mouths and out came talk talk talk